I'm back with Brian. Hi, Brian. How are you? Back again? (laughs) Yeah. Episode four, Cage Dive. We're recording this on release day. (laughs) We're recording episode four on the release of episode one. So that's uh, pretty fun. We're also recording episode six today, which uh, I guess maybe next week or the week after we'll have to do five due to (laughs) bizarre streaming politics circumstances. Yeah. I was going to say, it's a really weird, like, situation where it's like, well, this movie might be gone, so. Yeah. We should, we should do episode six before we do episode five. Yeah. Like, what happens what? if we, if we say something to get canceled in episode five? Oh, episode six will never come out. <laughs> People will wonder. <laughs> so we're recording, uh, episode four and the lost episode. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was interesting. I was like, I was like, oh, I got to get ready to go podcast. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, hey, the first episode's up. Yeah. Well, I got to celebrate and spread it all around Facebook. Like, yeah, I'm talking about Nick Cage movies now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, welcome everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you people who listened to episode one several weeks ago at this point, I guess. <laughs> yeah. People that were like, what? Nick Cage movies? I have to listen. Yeah. Yeah. I can't afford not to listen, even though it's free. Oh, man. We're talking about Rumblefish today. Yeah, I don't I don't know if this is going to be as, as joyous of an episode as some of our past ones have been. No, definitely not. This, this is, I mean, the movie's a downer. Uh, <laughs> movie's, movie's a downer, and I guess, spoiler alert, I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. I'm kind of I'm kind of with you on that, and it's weird to say that because of the monumental talent behind uh, every aspect of this movie. So, this is Francis Ford Coppola's follow up to Rumblefish, right? Yes, the the Outsiders. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> the Outsiders. Yes, uh, it's also written by S. E. Hinton, uh, another novel of hers, and it is starring uh, in the lead as. Oh man, you hear this name? Oh, I saw it in the trivia. You, <laughs> you hear this character's name? Is it like a hundred and eleven times during the movie? I can't find the trivia thing. For some reason, I think it averaged out to like every two minutes, someone says his name or something like that. Yeah. Like it's something ridiculous. It's I'm, just like I mean, sometimes we got it. Here we go. Oh, it's okay. So it says the name Rusty James is said at least fifty times in the movie. Yeah, that is approximately <laughs> one every two minutes. But yeah, like some, you know, like in some, ex- not even scenes, but in exchanges of dialogue. You'll get it like three or four times, you know. Yeah, <laughs> very yeah. weird. Very weird. People, people are just like Rusty James. You don't know what you're talking about, Rusty James. And I'm like, <laughs> you just said it like three times. Like, yeah. we don't. Yeah. I don't need that in thirty seconds. Weird. We know who you're talking to. We can see the movie. It's weird. So while they were making um, the Outsiders, uh, S. E. Hinton said that she would allow Coppola to make Rumblefish into a movie. But it had to star Matt Dillon as Rusty James. So we got Matt Dillon in the lead, again from The Outsiders. Uh, his older brother is Motorcycle Boy, played by Mickey Rourke. What a weird name. Yeah, I know. It is. Well, I guess it's sort of like 
akin to Dallas and Soda Pop and or whatever. Golden Boy, yeah. You know, go, well, oh yeah, yeah. Pony just, Boy, uh, Golden Boy, Pony Boy, yeah, Stay Gold, Pony Boy. Pony Boy. Yeah. Because yeah. so I just watched <clears throat> The Outsiders this week as well. Oh, did you? Uh, okay. Because because a little uh, little hint is. Uh, I decided to double dip, and we I got to pick the movies for uh, the Midnight Drive-In. Oh, nice. And, and we had the out, Outsiders and Rumblefish on Perfect. the list. So Perfect. I was like, oh, I'll just knock them out for two shows. It it has to be a, a, a perfect double feature in some ways, right? Uh, it's an interesting compare and contrast. People have to go over to the Midnight Drive-In and listen, but yeah. we, uh, we comment that it feels that like these movies were directed by two different people. Interesting. And and yet Coppola said for both films he wanted to make an art film for teenagers. Yeah. This sure. one this one feels a lot more like an art film, what with every other angle is a Dutch angle, the black and white, yeah. the extreme close ups, you know. Spotlights of color. Spotlights, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the titular rumblefish. Um it's an interesting movie to say the least. Uh, Diane Lane is back from The Outsiders as well. Dennis Hopper plays uh, yeah. Mickey, Mickey Rourke and Matt Dillon's uh, alcoholic dad. Uh, mm. Yeah, you got Vincent Spano. You've got Chris Penn. Uh, you got Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, I believe you mean Larry Fishburne. Larry Fishburne. He is credited as Larry, <laughs> yeah, playing uh, the inappropriately named midget. Um, nope. that is his character name. <laughs> what did I say about getting canceled? Um, Tom, Tom Waits runs the diner. That, that kind of blew nope. my mind. I was like, oh yeah, this actually seems like a Tom Waits m- music video or something in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, and, uh, little Sophia Coppola is in the movie. Yeah. I mean, she's this- absolutely dynamic compared to the way she is in Godfather three, but. Yeah. yeah, these uh, <laughs> these uh, this movie has to be a bunch of nepotism throughout the movie. <laughs> you'd think, you'd think. <laughs> so <laughs> this the story that I heard is that they made this movie before Valley Girl. Okay, okay. So this movie was shot in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, it was the sort of first sprinkling of Coppola getting a little bit of that 70s freedom back again. And he went and inhabited an, you know, like a, uh, abandoned part of town and shot this movie with all these stars at the time. So <laughs> the Valley Girl casting director called the, let me get this right, the Valley Girl casting director called the Rumblefish casting director and was like, <laughs> and was like, tell me about this Nick C- Nicholas Cage. And the Rumblefish casting director's like, I, I, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know a Nicholas Cage. <laughs> and the Valley Girl casting director is like, well, we just had this guy read for us, and we love him. He says he's done this Francis Ford Coppola movie, Rumblefish, that hasn't come out yet. And uh, and they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know a Nicholas Cage. And they're, they're like, huh, weird. <laughs> uh, this was a bit of a transformative film, I think, for Nicholas Cage. Uh, in that, 
he hated it <laughs> because he felt as though he was being, you know, sort of shut out and shut down by everybody else on the set because he was, you know, Uncle Frank's nephew kind of thing. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, so he was... And, and like, it's funny because, you know, I'm actually, I, I, I'm, I'm reading this book on Nick Cage. Uh, oh God. What is yeah. it? It's the age, the age of cage. Is that, that's what it's called, right? I should probably Some, properly call like it that. that. You sent me a picture of it and I was extremely jealous. <laughs> Although I don't know why I'm jealous. I mean, if I really wanted to read it, I could just go buy it probably. Yeah. Yeah. The age of cage by Keith Phipps. And, uh, so, you know, Cage was, uh, was very sensitive, I think. Now, whether it truly, truly happened on all levels, who knows? But he was very sensitive about that, which is what brought the name change on. He didn't want to be, you know, known. He wanted to be famous, like excessively famous. Like he talks about the legend building that he would do about himself in the early days. But he wanted to do it under his own name, right? Not, not the family name. Yeah. Did we talk about before where his name came comes from? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. It's a uh, comes from Luke Cage, the yeah, yeah. the nineteen seventies Marvel comic book. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Nicholas Cage <laughs> is a huge comic book fan, and uh, that's not a secret. <laughs> we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. It's a kid the, named Kal El. I mean, yeah. come on. So, uh, did we talk about this already? We do have to cover. It's not technically listed under his roles in IMDb, but let me take a look to get the exact title correct. Because this is another one where it's like, oh god, here we go. Oh yeah, I bolded it. In 2015, the documentary "The Death of Superman Lives." Oh colon, yeah. Colon. What happened? the documentary came out. I suggest that for episode 73, we stick that in there because it's, it's going to have Nick cage in it and it'll be an interesting conversation about what we didn't get. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a good documentary. If nobody's seen it. Okay. I, I, I actually haven't, I've seen clips of it and and, you know, listen to several podcast descriptions, but it's about time. I finally watch it. Right. Yeah, it's one of those, uh, I mean, we're not there yet, but it's one of those that you hear, I'm sure you were like me back when you heard, oh, Tim Burton's doing a Superman movie. You're like, oh, that yeah. sounds like a horrible idea. Yeah, yeah. And then you kept hearing all this stuff and you kept seeing like the costume, like tests and stuff. And you're like, Jesus Christ, like this is going to be terrible. Yeah. And then, as soon as, but when you watch this documentary, you're like, oh shit, that's what they were doing. Oh, <laughs> uh, Okay, I kind of want this movie to happen now. Yeah, yeah. There, some, somewhere, least, somewhere, there's a there's a universe where that movie did come out. Somewhere. At the very least, I don't know why Warner Brothers doesn't uh, dive into their vault of Superman scripts and just start making some animated movies. Yeah, no kidding. Like if they did the Tim Burton script and got Nick Cage to voice Superman in it, like people would love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ay, ay, ay. So, so here well, we are talking about we'll uh, episode 73. Is that what I said? We're talking about episode 73. Yeah, but yeah, we yeah. did just watch <laughs> Rumblefish Rumble for Fish. episode four. Let's get through episode four <laughs> before we get to, to the Superman touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Mickey Rourke, the motorcycle boy, is like the toughest guy in town, right? He's like the guy. 
course. And he he leaves town. This happens before the movie starts. Uh, oh, by the way, I told my son. He came in. He's like, what are you watching? And I'm like, oh, this is the from the same people who did The Outsiders. And he just did The Outsiders in English last year and loved the movie. Oh, like, right? Nice. So he's like, yeah. oh, cool. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's Dallas, I think, when he, when he sees Matt Dillon. And then when Mickey Rourke is on screen, I'm like, do you know who that is? And he's like, no, I have no idea. And I'm like, that's the guy that Tony Stark fights in Iron Man 2, the Russian whiplash guy. Dad was like, come on, no way. I'm like, yeah, no. A couple of years after this movie, he became a professional boxer and got his face all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people seem to forget. He was like a good looking like lady, like He's a, a leading hands- man handsome type. motherfucker. Yeah. yeah, like seen like Angel Heart and stuff. The dude's yeah. like dashing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, completely different. Right. So anyway, in in the absence of motorcycle boy, Rusty James, his younger brother has been trying to make a name for himself, right? Yeah, motor, Rusty James, motorcycle boy's brother, Rusty James, Rusty, Rusty James, James, Rusty James. Yeah. yeah. You know, Rusty James. <laughs> <laughs> and Rusty James is uh well, he's got the hots for Patty. That's Diane Lane who uh Which, goes who to a girl's school. Oh yeah, come on. This is like 19-year-old Diane Lane. Ridiculous, gorgeous. Same in like, same in like Streets of Fire. It's like, God, has anybody ever been this good looking? (laughs) Still, still gorgeous as an older woman. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Uh, yeah, Dennis Hopper plays their drunk father who's not really around, but they sort of bump into him from time to time. Um, but uh, yeah, the only performance I really enjoyed in this movie was Dennis Hopper. Yeah, Dennis Hopper's, I mean, he's always great. He's, exactly. he's he's very much a kind of a Nick Cage. He's in a lot of bad shit, but he brings goodness to the bad shit. And then he's in like classic shit too, right? Like yeah, yeah, amazing. But yeah, so yeah, so Rusty James is making a name for himself as being like the tough guy of of town, right? And he's got a little gang with Chris Penn and uh and Vincent Spano who's like I don't know he's like the nerd of the gang I don't know <laughs> is <laughs> is that an archetype the nerd of the gang uh seems like it yeah. especially in this movie and then Larry, nobody nobody really takes him seriously right. they let him hang around right right he's taking notes that's the fun part <laughs> and then uh and then there's Smokey played by Nicolas Cage with uh, a wild head of hair just a great head of hair. <laughs> this is this is number one Nick Cage heads of hair thus far. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so good. And well, so Smokey Nick Cage, he's not really an integral character. No, right? Unfortunately. So, and I think I think part of why Cage hated his time on this movie is because he just. Like he was tired of being the bit part guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he was tired of being the Coppola guy. And so, you know, then he would get that taste in Valley Girl, and you don't see a lot more movies where Nick Cage is a side character. Well, you get one more directed by his uncle, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You'll hear about that one soon. Yeah, most definitely. And, uh, yeah, so he's kind of this very minor character who's sort of a friend of Matt Dillon. Uh, Rusty James. He's Rusty James's friend. Did you know that? Oh, right. Rusty James? Rusty James. I didn't know. 
Rusty James. I didn't know he was friends with Rusty James. <laughs> also friends with Rusty James is Larry Fishburne, who plays like sort of like a like a an allied badass. He does he's not yeah. he's not really part of their gang, but he stands with them in battles and shit, you know. That yeah, kind of he's thing. kind of like a go between. Like Yeah. He sort of comes to them with news or something and then yeah. they kind of move on whatever he tells them. So here's a question for you. Is this set in modern day? Uh I want to say no, but it's an RTP, so who the fuck knows? Yeah. I I was sort of intrigued. Like like I think going through it, I was more thinking like Oh, this uh, this is like a '60s movie, right? And it could yeah. be the only cultural reference that is made in this movie that can pinpoint it somewhere in time is saying the Beach Boys. Well, okay, yeah, right, right. Yep, so this sense. this this <laughs> this movie takes place sometime after the creation of the Beach Boys, which was the '60s, but also still very active in the 1980s. In fact, you could say they were maybe never more famous than they were in the early 80s. Yeah, that's true, which seems weird. Yeah, so that's what got me sort of thinking about that. Yeah. Really, because we're trying not to talk about Rumblefish. (laughs) (laughs) The sad thing is, I feel like there was a good story in here, and they completely missed it. Yeah, 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 I agree with that. It's, you know, and some of it's kind of cool. You know, there's like an interesting intensity to the whole, you know, Rusty James Patty thing, right? There's like this very sort of like cat in a hot tin roof feel with the movie, you know, and just it's so dark and (laughs) so like... Yeah, it's just so, but it's also, yeah, it's also so plodding, like so Mm -hmm. slow. And there's, I mean, there is a very clear story that's happening, but man, there's a, there's a lot of screen time sort of given to this sort of rambling story. You know, it's probably 20 minutes too long. Yeah. Yeah. I, so they're setting up, there's going to be some fight between, Rusty James's gang and other gang. Yeah, yeah, that's so, uh, that's Biff Biff Wilcox's gang. I yeah. think Biff. Yeah, <laughs> which is there's supposed to be like a truce or something. I don't know. So when they're sort of talking about that, I'm like, oh, okay, this must be like the rumble is going to be at the end of the movie, and we're going to follow Rusty James throughout the day. Yeah, sort of going about his business. Right. While this sort of looms on the horizon. Yeah. But then, like, the fight happens, like, 10 or, like, 15, 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I think what what you described expecting to see sounds like a way better movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just feel like there would have been even this weird tension built up. that This thing is coming, and he's going around talking to people, and then as... Movie fans, we kind of wonder, like, oh, shit, is he going to die in this fight? Is that why right. we're following him throughout his day or something? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Now, all that no. gets flushed away. I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's weird, right? It's weird. I mean, yeah, Coppola's following a book, I guess, so you kind of have to go with that story, I yeah. assume, for what what you said S.E. Hinton told him that 
you know, the requirements for making the movie. But yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. I just felt like there's something else they could have done that would have been a much more interesting movie because yeah. Rumble happens, Motorcycle Boy shows back up, and then I'm just like, well, what are we doing? And then the rest of the movie is very boring. Yeah, the rest of the movie is this sort of existential art film stuff. That's where that comes from. The rest of it is just like... Yeah. Moaning and whining and, oh, you know, will I, will I lose my girl to my friend? Uh, That sort of starts off as a dream sequence, right? And then it becomes reality, right? Oh, you're talking about the existential, uh, I got hit over the head and I, yeah, 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 yeah. float around. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where most of Nicolas Cage's screen time is. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird. It's weird. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Coppola's like, yeah, I just want to do something weird. Yeah. (laughs) Most definitely. And like, you know, like I said, like he had no, no oversight, right? He didn't, he didn't build a soundstage in Los Angeles. You know, he, he went to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they made the movie there over a period of time. And that period of time was kind of torturous for Nicolas Cage. Uh, and the movie itself is kind of torturous. Yeah. it. Uh, I will say the performances in this movie, I think, are pretty terrible. Yeah. It it feels very stagey, which yeah. maybe that's kind of what he was going for. It's more like a stage play than a movie. But. Yeah, I I would have been, you know, like if I didn't know about S.E. Hinton and that she'd written this novel, like if I didn't know that, I would absolutely think that this was based on a play because yeah. it definitely has play vibes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, lots of sitting in a dark room, sweating, drinking, Oof, yeah. drinking up, drinking a beer. Right, L- looking in the opposite direction of the person you're having a conversation with. Lots of yeah. that. Lots of that. They're they're standing over by. They're they have the fridge door open because they haven't decided what to drink, and they're looking over their shoulder. You're pointed in the other direction. You know, it's that thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's like two spotlights. <laughs> That's what this movie is, and it's it's absolutely aggravating. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like I just spent most of the movie just being like, what, like, what is happening? Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to be getting from this story? Yeah. And it's just, I mean, sure. I guess he's Rusty James, Rusty James, Rusty James is <laughs> contemplating his place in the world. Cause yeah. you know, he's not as good as his brother and now his brother's back. So what does that mean for yeah. his place in the gang? His, uh, you know, friend may have stolen his girlfriend that he, didn't treat very well because apparently this was back in the day when you could just bully a woman into dating you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so I know he's going through all that, but I'm like, man, couldn't you be upset about something interesting? Because none of this is really something I care about. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. It's, it's weird when the main character is the least interesting character in the movie. Yes. You know what I mean? Motorcycle yeah. boy is so fucking cool. Like once Mickey Rourke, you know, kicks the door down with the world's worst haircut. It's like, oh, here we go. Here we go. The movie started, right? And then once, like, Diane Lane is on screen, it's like heart eyes, right? And, yeah. then, and then once Dennis Hopper's on screen, it's like, yeah, this guy, yeah. this guy can act. This guy's a great actor. I mean, he's also probably drunk like his character, but mm-hmm. he's yeah. great. He's great. Yeah. And fucking, he tells... He tells an entire story just in his character. Yeah. 
He, do, he doesn't have to say anything. You yeah, look the, at him. Way he like, lo- the way he looks oh, at yeah. his kids. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I get I get what this guy's all about. Yeah. And he hasn't said a single word yet. No, exactly. Exactly. Diana Scarwood plays Cassandra, sort of like one of the girl, like the girl friend group kind of thing. I thought she was fantastic. That whole sequence where she asks, uh, oh yeah, she's trying to get motorcycle boy to dance with her, right? And they're all like, come on, let's go, motorcycle boy, let's go. And she's like dancing up on him. And then he's, he's like, no, he turns around to leave and then the guys follow. But then geeky Steve walks by and she starts like prowling up to him. That was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I'm like, yeah, I love this. This is fun. This is fun. So I like that. Chris Penn's great. Yeah, I love Chris Penn. You know? I'm always excited when I see him, especially in older stuff. I'm just like, yeah. hey, it's Chris Penn. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's always great. And then it's fun seeing Tom Waits as the guy behind the counter <laughs> at the diner. You know? It's great. You could have just stopped with, it's always fun seeing Tom Waits. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. And I, I don't know, I don't know what script Larry Fishburne read, but, uh, I think he's probably just happy to, happy to be in, a, in another Coppola movie. Yeah. I, uh, when we talked about this on the other podcast, I described this movie as, uh, West Side Story without the musical interludes. <laughs> right, right. And that's exactly what this movie feels like. Yeah, for sure. It's like gang warfare, very stilted, stagey sort of acting. Yeah, but the, but then the story just meanders, and I'm just like, oh, this this stinks. Which makes me mad, especially if you watch it back to back with the Outsiders, because all the performances in the Outsiders is really good. The Outsiders is a great movie. It's a great yeah. movie. Yeah, direction's great. Like all the like camera work, like everything. And then you watch this, which they're like, oh yeah, we're doing back to back. And then you're like, oh, I mean, I'm sure they just flowed right over to the next. Right. Oh no, no, they didn't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a completely, a completely different vibe. Hey, that's another thing that sort of tells me that this movie might be more modern than older because at the beginning, Matt Dillon says, you know, I I just really want a, a rumble like, like the old days, like how old days can he be talking about? Right. He's, He's like 19 years old. Right. Like that's the vibe I get there. Yeah. So, like, what old is he talking about? The old days of, like, the '60s when people used to rumble, and this is the '80s. I don't know. I don't know why I'm why I'm obsessing on this, but it's it's something to not just to stop talking about the movie itself. I guess. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> Is there anything else that we should say about uh, Rumblefish? I mean, there's not well, much Nicolas Cage in it. No, uh, but I, I do want to talk about Mickey Rourke's performance because yeah. he gives a weird performance because he's very much in this weird shell shocked sort of state when mm-hmm. he comes back, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it's just it seems like oh, I was in Vietnam, the horrible things I saw. You know, stare off into the onto the horizon stoically. And, <laughs> You're just like, what the fuck happened? And then later he reveals what happened. And it's like, hey, you know how we thought our mom was dead? Yeah. I was, I was watching a game show on TV and I saw her in the audience. So then I drove to L.A. to find her. And I did. And I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? 
This movie is so oh, weird. Oh my god. Yeah, it is so weird. And it's like I I, I think it's like if it comes across like fake pathos, yeah. you know, like a, like a yeah. lot, like it's they're laying it on really thick. You know, there was great pathos in The Outsiders. Yeah, you know, I haven't seen it in ages, but I remember, you know, this definitely it was rife with the torment of young boys trying to figure out their way in the world, right? Yeah. Just completely rife with it. And the movie portrayed that really well. This movie just sort of like lingers in it and doesn't go anywhere. And just, it's uh, just like, it's so dark, you know? Yeah. It comes off as a bunch of whiny brats. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. It really does. It really does. Yeah. Did you know that S.E. Hinton is in the movie? Yeah, she's like uh, the pro- one of the prostitutes, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're having a conversation at the bottom of the stairs or whatever, and she yeah. just walks up and asks hey. them for asks them for a date, and they ignore her. <laughs> so she, she, like, she kind of like shakes date? her head and walks away. <laughs> yeah, she's like, "You want a date?" And they're just like, "No." And she just walks walks behind them and starts yeah. talking to to <laughs> Steve. Yep. That was yeah. Steve, man. Yeah. He's the real like babe magnet yeah. in this movie. I want to see the movie from Steve's perspective. Exactly. I want to see the eighties sex comedy where, you know, Chris Penn, Nicolas Cage, and Matt Dillon join forces to get Steve laid. <laughs> <laughs> That's a movie. That's a movie. That's a great movie. <laughs> uh and they can call it Rumble yeah. Rumble Tush. <laughs> uh, this movie was so bad. Very bad. Very bad. Yeah. Well, okay, I, I'm the host of this episode. What do you give the film, Brian? Uh, I'm going to give the film a, a one and a half, I think. Yeah, that is an absolutely fair mark because it's exactly what I gave the movie <laughs> as well. Now, what about the, uh. the Nick Cage factor? Uh, I'm going to go Nick Cage factor of two. Yeah, that's but, exactly what um, I did too. He doesn't do a whole lot, but you kind of, at first you kind of look at him and you're like, oh, but he's got this weird, like stilted, like stagey performance. Like, Hey, I'm going to gang over here type yeah. of stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I see where he's going. But then you realize, oh no, like everybody in the movie is doing that. So, yeah. yeah. So then suddenly his caginess just drops because I'm like, oh, he's just in line with everybody else. So he's not really putting more energy into it than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. We had the exact same score. Nice. Like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. (laughs) Four movies in. I think we're we're mind melding. Yeah. No kidding. Uh Watch out, world. Watch out. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So both of us gave the film one and a half. And both of us gave the cage factor two. I mean, yeah, he's he's got some interesting lines and some sort of goofy scene eating a little bit. And uh you just he does really seem in his shell in this movie though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and from what you've talked about before, I can kind of see it now that maybe he was just like Oh, I don't really want to be here, I don't really want to do this. Yeah. He was he was probably excited coming in and then everybody was just treating him however and he's like, Oh, this was a mistake. 
And uh, Brian and I are going to be talking about another movie that Nicolas Cage did not enjoy making. Also, ironically, directed by his uncle, Francis Ford Coppola. We're going to be talking about that next, but you're going to be hearing that in two episodes. <laughs> next episode, episode five, we're talking about a movie he did have a good time making, and it was with his very good friend, Sean Penn. We're going to be taking a look at... Uh, Nicholas Cage's character a few weeks down the line from the best of times in Racing with the Moon, where he teams up with his buddy Sean Penn to, uh, well, to just sort of spend the last couple days hanging out together before they go to war. Oh, interesting. Uh, and th- yeah. Both of those films are 1984. There's actually, there's three Cage movies in 1984. Oh, they didn't know how good they had it in the had before. No idea how good they had it. <laughs> Could you imagine if you had three Nicolas Cage movies in a year right now? Brian, I hate to tell you. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> Brian, I gotta say, Renfield comes out in a couple weeks, I think. Yeah. Right? Does it come out in like May? Uh, April. Is it April even? Oh, see, it's e- it yes. even is a couple weeks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say eight weeks is still a couple, but uh, it's even closer than that. So, And that that would mean we already have two Nick Cage films in 2023. <laughs> what was the other one? Uh, the Old Way. Oh, yeah, I haven't watched that one yet. I haven't, I haven't watched it yet either, and I, I don't know if I will until we actually get there. <laughs> may, may save it just in case. <laughs> but I really do feel like I have to see Renfield as soon as I possibly can. Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, as soon as you saw the reports, like, oh, Nicolas Cage is going to play Dracula, you were like, yes. okay, where do I buy my yes, ticket yes. at? 100%. Can I buy a ticket right now and just save it for me? <laughs> yeah. Guys, buy a ticket anytime, anywhere. I go and find it on a theater, mm-hmm. and I can just walk right in, please. And apparently, I, he I promise to buy that- popcorn. He stated he had such a good time playing Dracula and Renfield. He hopes they do just a straight-up Dracula spinoff. Oh, please. And I cannot wait. Please, so, please, please, please. Yeah. yeah. And I, don't know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is a spoiler for you, but they released some new picks from Renfield, and they're oh. grainy black-and-white picks where he's – Nick Cage is doing his full-on Bela Lugosi, it seems like. Perfect. And I'm so excited. I Yeah, I cannot wait for this movie. I'm so excited for it. As it stands, Renfield will be episode 107 of Dragon nice. or of, of, nice. Jesus, of Cage Dive. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's the last thing listed on my chart. Because, yes, I made a chart. <laughs> Ooh, fancy. <laughs> uh, well, and yeah, as it stands, I'm assuming it will be the next Nicolas Cage movie released. I'll have to make sure I check Tubi uh, in case something <laughs> in case something slides out in between the old way and Renfield. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure it's it's that's just the second movie this year. But I'm also pretty sure there's going to be probably two more this year. Um, I do have his IMDb pulled up. I guess I could just look. Yeah, he's doing that thing with Maika Monroe. Did you did you know about this one? Uh, no. He's, I think, is he playing the serial killer? It's called Long, oh, it's called yes. Long Legs. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I think he's playing a serial killer and she's like trying to stop him or something. Oh. Yeah. That one says it comes out 2024. Um, okay. But they do have the old way listed Dang. on, on here. And then there's three other movies listed for 2023. So. 
Oh, right. Sympathy for the Devil, the Retirement Plan, and then Renfield, of course. So oh, Sympathy for the Devil. Very least for I think isn't that uh, one where he's uh, okay yeah 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 where he's in uh, forced to drive a mysterious passenger at gunpoint a man finds himself yeah. in a high stakes game of cat and mouse where it becomes clear that not everything is as it seems so yeah. it appears that he's playing the devil in that movie well Nick Cage is playing the passenger yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 interesting and, and Joel Kinnaman who I'm a big fan of oh yeah yeah he's he's good so that should be fun. He's in those uh, Suicide Squad movies, and I and I, I like them both. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of either one of them. But um, okay. did you ever watch? <laughs> I, don't, the ki- I, I just said I don't care what you say, Brian. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, did you ever watch The Killing? The Killing. Uh, the series was it AMC oh, series? No, no. I, yeah, thought he, I thought you were talking about the early Kubrick film for a second. No, no, no. No, he's he was on that show, and it was he's amazing in it. Okay. It's like an undercover cop uh, and stuff in a, like, he's like an undercover vice cop. Hmm. It, but but then you never know for a good long portion, like, oh, is he really undercover? Or is he sort of fallen to the cover that he was supposed to be doing? Like, he he's really good at it. Right. Huh. So. Who, who's the lead in the killing? Uh... Oh, what was her name? Um, oh, I see it now. Muriel Enos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he's he's the he's the male lead. He's yeah, he's like her partner. She's kind of teamed up with him because uh, there's like a, a well, hence the the title. There's a killing that she has to try to figure out, and he could possibly help her, uh, like go through the underground to talk to people that she needs to talk to, and. He comes off sketchy as fuck, but he's, he's, he does a great. Well, uh, Bill Campbell's in that movie. Or in that show, sorry. You cut right. out, I didn't hear you. Oh, said. sorry, I said Bill Campbell's in that, uh, show. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Bill, yeah. like Bill Campbell, the, ro- a, the Rocketeer. The Rocketeer. Yeah, so. Yeah, he plays it, like a sen- senator or something. A, a, a funny story. Uh, I was at the Vancouver Fan Expo with my longtime comic book nerd friend and uh, collaborator, artist Devinder Brar. Uh, and his buddy came along and we met then. You know, the buddy was really cool. But uh, I think we were leaving to go get something to drink or go get something to eat for dinner or whatever, leaving the con. And we were going up the escalator while... Uh, okay, so while apparently an extremely hot woman was coming down the coming down the escalator beside us, but uh, so Billy Campbell was standing behind her, and then oh, he and nice. then he and then he passed, and Devinder and I looked at each other and we're like, "Did you see who that was?" And Devinder's buddy's like, "Man, she was fucking hot," and we're like, "Who?" <laughs> He's like that chick. You guys are talking about that chick, right? We're like, no, dude. We just saw the fucking Rocketeer. <laughs> and he was there because that was about that time. It was probably 2012, I think. That con, yeah, that was funny. He's, I mean, that's exactly his reaction. He's like, man, you guys are fucking nerds. <laughs> I probably would have done the same thing. We're like, what hot chick? There was no hot chick. <laughs> <laughs> For a second, I'm like, oh my god, is Jennifer Connelly here? Is Jennifer Connelly here? Is Jennifer Connelly here? <laughs> this is a Rocketeer reunion. Yeah. Be amazing. Uh, 
Well, uh, oh yeah. So I, I did mention that I made the chart and, uh, I also did the math. Because oh, we, nice. we, we both gave it a two on the Cajunist. So overall, this is our worst enjoyed film at a 1.75. That tracks. It does track, doesn't it? Yeah. I think we've enjoyed everything else. Yeah, you know, even m- like much the, more. the best of times or whatever, there's some enjoyable stuff in it. Yeah. Yeah. Even though we're, we were kind of like, yeah, it's all right if whatever. But yeah, this, this, I did not enjoy majority of my time watching this yes i am with you on that and on that note uh i guess you guys will see us uh next time when we talk about racing with the moon from 1984 thanks brian thank you desmond (laughs) it was very emphatic (laughs) 